your home office has now given me uh, British citizenship, so I'm one of you guys. <laughs> but first and foremost, I belong to the kingdom of God, so we're all together. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to make two obvious statements. The first of which is you can't put God in a box. The second of which is God works in mysterious ways. So it'll come as no surprise that your readings on the paper today are not what I'm going to read. <laughs> okay. For those who've got church Bibles, uh, please turn to page 1141. For those using your own personal Bibles, we're going to go to Romans 15, verse 1, and we're going to read through to verse 13, page 1141. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples exalt him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we give you thanks for your word. Amen. Um, just, just to continue the package, um, we've had the reading, which wasn't expected, from Romans 15, 1 to 13. 1 to 13, um, I'm actually going to talk about the next bit. So I'm talking about um, verse, verses 14 to 33. Um, but it was very important to get the, that first part because it sets the context. Um, so uh, 2016 was a very special year for us. It was the centenary year of Kids Alive International. Um, so why are you say is that so special for Hope for Kids? Well, we, we've talked a bit about this in, in the interview, but I'm, it, it bears going over again, really. Um, kids Alive International is a worldwide family of mission charities that was started in China um, and is now recognised as a trusted and major player in the ministry of children, ministry to children and young people around the world. Um, they, they are beginning to be... Um, noticed by all sorts of countries and um, in fact not that we're in, in, in the market for awards but are winning awards as, as a 
as a trusting charity. Um, Hope for Kids International is part of that family. And although we are only five or six years old, um, we, we, we share the experience and the professionalism of, um, that comes with 100 years of mission. It's difficult to separate identities, and this may be a little confusing, because all of, the, all of our mission is focused on, kid, on the Kids Alive family mission. Um, and we are so, in many ways, we're just inseparable. So please bear with me, as I'll, and I'll try to answer some of those more immediate questions. Who are Hope for Kids? Well, Hope for Kids, as we said earlier, was started to give Kids Alive a solid platform in the, in the UK. Kids Alive has had a focus in the UK for, for some years, and a, and a number of people from the UK have actually been in, and worked in Kids, Kids Alive ministries, in particular um, Lebanon, and um, we've been working in Romania for quite, quite a while. Um, but with changes in direction and ministry back in about 2010, um, and ministry bias, the continuation of this work in the UK was in jeopardy. So Hope for Kids um, was set up to allow existing donors to continue to sponsor into Kids Alive Ministries, but at the same time to give an opportunity for us in the UK to introduce new, new donors um, and new supports into the programme. We are effectively Kids Alive in the UK. And as Roger said, we were registered in 2011 as an independent charity. Uh, but we are building a network of churches and individuals who are partnering us in England. And even now, we've, 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 we've got some connections into Northern Ireland. Um, and in those five years, we've seen God work very powerfully to, um, to get, our, get us known and to get people supporting us. We, we are an international family of donating and receiving charities with the US and our equivalent in Canada. Together, we currently support mission to 10 countries. Um, in, in Africa, North Africa, Middle East, Eastern Europe and Latin America. Um, there are also other Kids Alive partners, but they tend to be self-managing self um, and they are the, the, there's partners in Asia, in Hong Kong and Taiwan, and also Kids Alive partners on the Pacific Rim, rim um, Papua, Papua New Guinea. But as I say, they tend to be just the province of the Southern Hemisphere. Um, anyway, how did we come about? Well, following a brief visit to Kenya in 2009, um, an experience that both changed me and challenged me. Uh, I met with... Matt Parker, the then director for Kids Alive for Africa and Eastern Europe, who was then based in Yeovil, and he suggested that he and I and a few others, Roger included, start this new charity. Hope for Kids began under the directorship of Matt, and I became chair of trustees. I, th I think I became chair of trustees um, because at our first trustee meeting, all the other jobs went. And there was only that one left. <laughs> so, but, but it's been a joy and a privilege. Later, Rod, uh, Matt moved on to the, the US and he's now president of Kids Alive International and Roger took up the, the role of our national director here. What motivates us? Our vision is to be 
Christ-centred with a commitment to biblical truth that compels us to deliver life's essentials with the same compassion and excellence we would want for our own children. That is to rescue orphans and forgotten children, but to do it, do it by overpowering and by empowering families, not overpowering families, sorry, empowering families and communities through partnerships that are first and foremost gospel-focused. And that is, that is a major, major drive for us. And then meeting physical, educational and emotional needs. So it's delivering the gospel through word and through action. Um, Kids Alive have been around for 100 years and they have maintained this vision all that time. It is as strong a motivation for them now as it was in 1916. There's no compromise. When we first set up As Hope for Kids, our trustees agreed, right at the beginning, set in stone, that we would not shy away from the full gospel. I don't, I don't mean anything special by that, that term. What I mean is... Nothing more or less than God's revelation in Scripture. Even when we're seeking funders, you know, um, it is very easy when you're looking for major funders to ease the gospel down a bit so as not to offend people. Um, and there, so there are funds that we will never attract and there are some funds that we can never use. Um, but we are trusting in God who provides everything needed for his mission, and he's been well trustworthy so far. Um, to complete the, this preamble, you need to know that the ministries in the countries we support, whilst being very much part of the Kids Alive family, are national Christian charities in their own right, and generally run by nationals. So you look to Romania, and you will see Kids Alive Romania and it was run by Cami, who is Romanian. So we really are um, working through the local church, and it's building relationships, supporting brothers and sisters in their work and their mission. Although we still send missionaries, and we send other workers as well as support teams, um, the days of the Western missionary control have gone. Uh, it, mission now is, is run by the nationals in their, in their countries. They understand it. And now we're going to move into the, the um, Paul's letter to the Romans. And um, this next bit is not original. Nothing is original. <laughs> you know, the word is there and, and lots of people have preached on it. And this, is the, this, this talk I give is developed um, from a talk by a, a Bishop Henry Scriven of CMS, um, I heard it a while ago, um, and I've, I've changed it for our situation, but as an encouragement to mission, it, it is really worth repeating, and I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> I just want to look at, if, you, if, you could, if you've got your Bibles open, if you could look at um, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to look at this under, under four headings. Mission, missionary grace is the first one, and it's verse, verses 15 to 16. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of pro proclaiming the gospel of God 
so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul heads towards the end of his letter, um, letter to, to, to the church in Rome, and amazingly, he becomes really personal. This is In this chapter, we begin to see Paul, and he's talking about his mission, his motivation, and how he views his work for the Lord. Up until then, he's been instructing the church in Rome, but now he's beginning to talk about himself and his mission. It's a major theme, this. Um, It is God's mission. It's not a mission that we do as a church. We are joining in God's mission. And we are all involved because of the grace of God, because he invites us, because he wants us to be involved with him. It is his work, we're invited, and even when we join in, it is his strength in which we do it, because we, we can actually bring very little to the, to the game. We can't thwart God's plan, we can't stop it. God's plan is his plan, he's in control. But through his grace, we are given the opportunity and an invitation to join him in it. In fact, um, to look at worldwide mission is to look at what God is doing and what God has done even in the past and give thanks for the amazing witness of those who have already taken their part. It is all about his power, his message and what he is doing through Jesus. That's the foundation of all all of our work and all missionary work is, is founded on Jesus. So all mission is God's mission And by his grace, we are privileged and invited to play our part. Secondly, verse 15 to 20, which I I read through to, the next section there was, Therefore I glory in Christ in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said, said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul's primary ambition is to preach the gospel, and it should be ours. That, again is a fundamental to mission. Here, Paul makes clear it is the same gospel for the Jews as for the Gentiles. Or in our terms, if you like, for all peoples, no matter what culture, it is the same gospel we take. Even when it feels uncomfortable, and it does feel uncomfortable sometimes, well, often, because the message of Jesus challenges the world at its root. Actually, what we're looking for is transformation in people's lives. And that only comes by meeting the real Jesus on the cross and by knowing him as a risen saviour. The message doesn't change, but it has to be applied. And it has to be applied in a culturally sensitive way. Um, That is the challenge for mission overseas. And why we try to work with nationals who understand their own culture. 
mission societies have learned some really hard lessons about this over the past few years. And then on to the chapter on in, in verses 18 to 19, Paul's part is to preach to the Gentiles. But he trusted the power of the gospel. He knows he cannot change lives. Only God can transform the human condition. And miraculous things happen as the power of God convicts, transforms and heals the lives of ordinary people. It's not our work. It's God's work. Um, And it's through the Holy Spirit that he changes lives. But we have this wonderful opportunity to be a part of that. And then in in 2021, uh, Paul's mission was pioneering, which is what all mission work is, pioneering. It's what you're doing here in this church. They're preaching to those who have not heard or have not understood the true nature of Jesus and what he has done. Um, In Kenya, we met met a belief that salvation was by works, not by grace. Um, People were afraid of not being good enough. They hadn't understood the truth, the wonderful truth of the gospel. And in a country where 80% say they're Christian and many of those say they're evangelical, the prosperity gospel attracts many pastors and affects many congregations. So again, they haven't understood the reality of Jesus. So that's the task, it is pioneering work. And it's the value of mission wherever it's needed. It's always looking for new opportunities and ways to share that that complete gospel of Christ that people will understand and lives will be transformed from the inside. And we're not just talking about converts. The the work of, of mission, whether it's at home or abroad, is about discipleship where every part of us is transformed and focused on God. Our careers, our families, our lifestyle, understanding of wealth and poverty and and our place. The gospel continuously focuses us anew on Jesus. And then the third is missionary offering, going back to verses 15 and 16. Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty to proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The context here is For the Jews, the centre of life was the temple in Jerusalem where God was present with his his people and where priestly sacrifices were made. But in AD 70, the Romans destroyed the temple and no longer could you look to a building and say that is a place where God resides. Now, we know that the temple is a person, Jesus, and he lives within us. So we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So that we, we take the temple with us. So ministering the gospel of Christ is therefore a priestly sacrifice that we all do. 
And the truth is Jesus is the only sacrifice good enough for our salvation. So our only acceptable response to that is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Um, we see that Romans 12. Therefore, missionary outreach, wherever, wherever it is, at home or abroad, whether it's what we're doing in many places around the world or you're doing here in Meadgate, missionary outreach is an offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And it's a high calling and it's vital just to who we are as Christians. And the last heading I, I wanted to look at was missionary sharing and resourcing, which is a bit later in the, in the chapter, 25 to 28. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Paul wanted to go to Spain, um, and it was part of his plan, because Spain needed to hear the gospel, and Paul thought he was the man that was going to do it. I, d I don't know whether he ever reached Spain, but certainly he got back to Rome. But at this moment, taking the money to Jerusalem in the end, took precedence. It was more important. So he postponed his visit to deliver the money given by saints. He calls them the saints in Macedonia, in Greece, for the poor in Jerusalem. And he takes a direct and makes a direct and unifying connection here between the Jews and the Gentiles. And it's specifically highlighting a unified church. A church that was set up in two different directions from two different types of people with two different backgrounds and different beliefs, but now is unified under Jesus, one church. And this connection of the, the Gentile church and the Jewish church in unity was essential because sharing resources from one Christian to another is vital, again vital to who we are as mission-centred people. As God provides for his mission through his people in all countries and into all cultures, He's a generous God and provides for us generously. And because he is so generous to us, we need to be generous. I often think anew on why I should be so rich and others so poor. And that is a really difficult question to work through. Sharing is joy and a thrill and we should never devalue it. So as a summary, mission, whether at home or overseas, is by God's grace. As we are invited to share in his work um, in preparation for his coming kingdom when Christ comes again. Our task is to preach the gospel anytime, any place, and to see lives transformed through the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit convicts people of the truth of Jesus, that is the power of the gospel. Mission Ministering the, the gospel of Christ to others is a priestly sacrifice. As we offer ourselves to him as living sacrifices in response to his perfect sacrifice, 
that brought us into his family, a forgiven people. We are God's people. And it's a generous response to all that God has generously given us in Jesus to remember the orphans and the poor, those who are poor in spirit, those who have nothing, those who are displaced, homeless and have no hope. For us, our mission means working with Christians in places God calls us to be, supporting them in their mission to bring the gospel in word and deed, bringing hope and well-being to children and through that to families and communities. And we are all invited by God to have a part in this and we all have a part to play. So let's pray. Thank you. Father, we do thank you for this word. We thank you for the honesty of Paul as he has shared his mission with us. And we ask you, Lord, that you will help us to learn to be missionary people through that, that example that Paul has set us. Um, be with us and may these words change our hearts and minds. Amen.